Hi guys. Thank y'all so much for first and foremost tuning into this episode, but also for listening to the first one, for sharing, for reaching out, and just expressing how excited you are for what I'm going to share. And it just really blesses me to know that I'm able to bless someone's life in any way. Makes me really happy and makes me feel like I'm truly fulfilling my calling and what my purpose is, which I believe is to mainly encourage people. So thank you. Please subscribe, rate, share if you like this content. And I did mention this in the first episode, but if you have questions or you have topics that you'd like me to consider, please email me at kadoo.mitch at gmail.com. I sounded so American just then. Kedu, which is high in Ebo. It's K-E-D-U dot Mitch, M-I-T-C-H, at gmail.com. So today I'm going to be sharing a little bit about my journey as a wife, which has been very interesting to say the least. I have a circle of people around me who I defer to quite frequently, who have kind of been a part of this journey from the beginning, most of them. And so they have a very interesting perspective and I trust their opinions and I value what it is that they tell me because I know that they ultimately defer to God, which I think is very important in relationships period is to just have people to help you navigate through life who can give you a different perspective and to ultimately point you in the in the direction of God. I always want my, the, the advice that I receive to be one that I could test by the word of God. That's important to me because those are my values. And so throughout the years, I've had people in my life who I could just come and talk to about how I was changing as an individual as a result of my relationship with Kel. And, uh, that's been a ride. I met Kel when I was 20 years old, you know, and I was in a very crazy stage in my life. <laughs> I was just, I was really out there, honestly. I identified as a gay woman when I met Kel. I was in a relationship, um, pretty long one. I was in a, this relationship for about two and a half years and definitely thought I was gay. Um, that was kind of what I identified as, honestly. And, and I thought because I loved this woman that, I mean, that was my sexual orientation. And so when Kel came along, I was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> cool, I guess, you know, but I fell in love with him so quickly that I knew it was a God thing. Just like the tug that he had on my heart and on my spirit whenever I was around him. I just knew, you know, you hear people say that all the time, you just know. I really did just know. So the journey that we've had in our relationship and in our marriage has been a very intriguing one because um, our relationship challenged me at every level. It challenged my sexuality. It challenged my perception of who I was as an individual. It challenged my spirituality and who I viewed God as. It challenged my relationships with my family. It challenged my relationships with my friends. It challenged me 
really truly in every single area and so I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of that shaping and I'm going to end this episode with a poem that I wrote this morning well I finished it this morning I am getting back into writing more frequently and being open again to performing more frequently I went through this whole thing where I just felt like spoken word and the whole open mic scene was just really for shock value and it became something that to me just felt like it wasn't authentic and personally I began to write pieces for the audience instead of it being just like for me instead of it being cathartic for me an experience for me an outlet for me it it began to be this thing where like I felt like I was being pimped almost you know, um, and it feeds your ego a great deal when you're when you're on any platform and you have you have the mic and you get to decide. And then what you say makes people feel things. You know, it impacts them in a way. So that's a mantle, and um, that's a huge responsibility. And I knew that it was too much for me. I started doing spoken word when I was 17. And so just trying to find my way as a person and be a performer just was a bit much um, for me. So I took a, a step back from it and I took a break. And and now I feel like at 28, all these years later, that I'm finally in the right headspace to really start sharing more frequently. Because I've honestly, I've shared throughout the years. It just, it stopped being on that level for a lot of different reasons and so now I want to since I have a greater sense of self I want to give God his gift back if that makes sense the gift that he gave me I want to give it back to him something that Kelly and I want to do through our art so anyway um let me share a little bit about my testimony so that you just have a reference point the reason I believe That I went through a lot of this, just the confusion about my sexuality is because I never really had like a good girlfriend, you know? I never really could connect with girls in the way that I wanted to. I mean, I had friends that were girls, obviously, but I just always felt like something was missing and I always wanted so much more and I was willing to offer it up, but that, that was never offered back to me. So I always always felt a little slighted in those relationships. And then the women in my family, no knock on them, I just don't think that they ever really knew how to connect with me either. I'm a very weird person. I was a weird, quirky kid. And so I think there was always this disconnect. And I think it's something that we don't really talk about frequently in the black community. We talk about like how black women mother. Black, a black woman will love to tell her kid <laughs> that she's not your friend. <laughs> she is your mom's. Like, she's not your friend. She's not your homie. You can't talk to her any kind of way. She's your mom. And so that distinctive line that gets crossed in the sand makes it hard sometimes to navigate through those relationships, to feel vulnerable, and to, to want to 
you know, really express yourself in a way that's not going to get you in trouble or not going to be a means of misunderstanding. And it it just becomes one of those things that's just, it's almost too hard to kind of navigate. So you just don't, you know what I'm saying? Like you just kind of like, okay, forget it, you know? Um, so I think in that regard, it was difficult for me to connect with my mom and my grandmother's uh, and my aunts on a much deeper level. They all cut for me. They all love me. They all embraced me and celebrated me. But as far as like really connecting on a deeper level, I never really had that. And so I know that it created this deep longing in me for that. Secondly, because I was sexually abused when I was very young, that whole experience really opened up the door for a lot of sexual perversion in my life and my understanding of sexuality was also skewed again in the black community I don't know if we're really having conversations about the spiritual nature of sex and what sex really means and what what God from a spiritual standpoint what God has ordained sex to be it's kind of like one of those things where you're not grown so you don't do it like and that's that when you get grown then you can do it but you're not grown, so abstain. Um, or you know, instilling this fear that, well, if you do have sex, you're going to get an STD or you're going to get pregnant or, you know, all these things and not just having like a healthy dialogue about it either. Not talking about those weird, gross, uncomfortable topics that need to be talked about because they're weird and because they're gross, you know, and because it almost feels like there's no space to talk about those things. Um, and perversion and porn and masturbation and all these things that are really gross. Even me saying them, I'm just like, yeah, you know, like you just don't talk about it, but your kids are doing it like at an alarming rate. And, and silence doesn't just make the problem go away. If anything, it creates a, a larger one. So saying all that to say a skewed sense of self and identity, a hunger for the kind of femininity that I felt like I could relate to and feel safe and vulnerable with mixed with a skewed perception of what sexuality, healthy sexuality was, I think kind of was this recipe for disaster and created this really big chasm in my heart. And so when I met a girl who I really connected with, I'm talking about on every single level, I just thought that the natural choice or the natural progression rather, would be to enter into a romantic relationship with her. And so I think sometimes we just think, if I have these feelings, then I must be gay. If if I feel these kinds of emotions, then I must be gay. And I just wanna offer up without opening a whole discussion about gender identity and gender roles and sexuality and God's idea, for sexuality and all these things during Pride Month, gasp! I just want to say that you should consider what it is that you've been through, what your reference points are, the trauma that you've encountered, and just kind of like how you view sexuality as a whole before you give yourself a label or identify something. All of us want to belong. We all want to identify as something. And my personal experience, my story, my narrative is one where my identity was born out of confusion. 
And so once I got clarity on my identity, it was really easy for me to to see what I wanted and what I needed. But when you don't really know who you are, it's hard for you to see those things. So I would just say, ask God the questions that need to be asked. Because I think there are a lot of us who are in the church who are confused about our sexuality. or And I talk about this frequently with my friends, just how it's such a faux pas for men to be vulnerable with one another, like especially black men, how it, it's almost like it infringes upon your masculinity to be affirmative and loving and even affectionate with another man. But if you look biblically, you can see how like Jesus loved the disciples so deeply and was affectionate with them. I mean, wash their feet, kiss them. There's this beautiful picture of John like resting his head on on Jesus' chest, like as they're dining together. In today's society, like it for that, it's only black and white. That's gay. Do you know what I'm saying? It's so close-minded and so cruel, really, because we teach boys at such a young age that it's a sign of weakness to show any kind of femininity. And really it's not. And to be affectionate is not mutually exclusive to being feminine like it's okay for a man to be who he is and to show affectionate and to show love to people now of course there are boundaries love has boundaries love exercises discretion I believe but I do think that there's room for us to love one another in a real and an authentic and in a natural way without labeling it as something that it's not I, I pray to God that that makes sense to you because I don't want it to get confused. I don't want my messaging to be misconstrued. I love people. I love gay people. <laughs> okay. I love trans people. <laughs> I, I love people. I love queer people. Okay. I love lesbians. I love gays. I want to make that so crystal clear. Right. What I'm saying is that my experience shifted once I got clarity on how the experiences that I had shaped my perception. And that's, that's all that I'm saying. <laughs> okay. um, and so having this very unique experience as far as sexuality is concerned, and then identity is concerned, and then meeting this man... And having all of these skeletons, so to speak, and all of these experiences is very difficult. Like, very difficult. And you desperately need God to walk you through that thing. Like, desperately need Holy Spirit to illuminate some things to you. And to give you some very practical ways in approaching, you know, who you are. And it's okay. You're not phony. You know, you're not a sellout. Like, you're safe in God. You're okay in God. In our society, like, we hold on to our labels so tightly. Or, or that's it for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we don't have this label, then we're nothing. And that's just not the case. You are who God called you to be. And I heard a pastor say a long time ago that, like, like whenever something goes wrong 
with something that was created, you go back to the manufacturer, you go back to the manual, and the Bible is our manual, and you cannot read that thing void of the Holy Spirit. This is why it is so often taken out of context. This is why it has been manipulated to literally enslave people. This is why it can be misconstrued and misunderstood and taken out of context. Because trying to read the Bible void of the Holy Spirit is trying to read something. It's like trying to read something that's written in another language. You're going to catch some things, but for the most part, a lot of it is going to get lost in translation. So you need God to read God, if that makes sense. I have like a whole teaching on Holy Spirit and all that stuff that I'd also love to share with you as well. So if you're interested in that, email me as well and I will share that link with you. But yeah, so I needed Kel to be as loving and as understanding as he was when he met me because I was confused about me. And I just remember and I share the story every time I share my testimony, but you know, I was really in love with this girl. I was really deeply in love with her. And I felt bad that I was falling in love with Kel. I felt bad. I felt like I wasn't being loyal. I felt like like I had invested all this time and she had invested all this time. And I was just leaving her out to dry, you know? And it, it deeply grieved me. It deeply, deeply grieved me that everybody was going to get hurt in some kind of way, you know? as a result of Kel entering into my life. And I had to make a, a really hard decision. And I believe that God's timing is so perfect because I think the both of us needed to discover ourselves outside of one another. And so if you are right now, I don't know who I'm talking to, if you're in a relationship right now, and like it, it's hard for you now to know who you are outside of that person, Make the, t- the really tough decision to step away from it. And if you guys are supposed to be together, you will be together. But sometimes you just need to know you for you, if that makes sense. And so the relationship that I had with Kel and that I have with Kel is one that's, that has evolved as we've in- evolved individually. And loving one another has really illuminated a lot of our traumas and a lot of our issues and allowed us to really connect with one another and with God on a really beautiful level. So I know a lot of you also are probably thinking, or maybe you're a Christian and you identify as gay and you love God, but there's no way that you're giving up your person. Like, that person is your person. You know without a shadow of a doubt that person is your soulmate. I want to share something with you that that God revealed to me. I missed this girl, even When I was a year into my marriage, I still missed her. I still loved her. I still thought about her all the time. I still prayed for her. And one day I asked God why I still felt all of these things for someone who had been out of my life for years. And he told me that that love is not bad. It's not wrong. It's not perverse. It's 100% necessary. Because you pray with a certain kind of fervor when you love somebody. I mean, you cover them in a certain kind of way when you really love someone. And there's nobody's soul that I pray for more fervently, more passionately than I pray for hers. Nobody's well-being, <laughs> nobody's joy, nobody's career, nobody's future like I pray for that girl's. And that's because I love her. And the Lord told me that what I feel is just a picture, just a glimpse 
of what she and I will experience when we make it to glory, when we make it to heaven. That the relationship that we were always supposed to have is going to manifest there. And so I've got to pray and I've got to believe and I got to stay loving. It's crazy. It's kind of wild, honestly. It really is. But the Lord does make all things new and he does give perspective on all things. And so I know I've gotten certain questions throughout the years just about how how the nature of me and Kel's relationship works um, in view of my past. And honestly, it's nothing but God. I mean, there's I can't really put into words how well my husband loves me and how he has loved me. Like, he truly does, he holds absolutely no record of wrong. If I do something to Kel, he will never bring it up again. Like, it is just the strangest thing to me how somebody can love you so much and even when they can throw something in your face, they choose not to. So he's like that with everything. So my past... All the things that I've done. And I've done some really jacked up stuff. He doesn't see any of that. He just loves me. You know? Sometimes more than I love myself. And I believe that that's what happens in a God-centered relationship. The Lord just graces you for one another. Just blesses you to be able to accept and to understand and to connect with one another. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard, dude. This is the hardest work that I've ever done in my entire life. Nothing is harder than being married. For me, I can only speak for me. Nothing in my life has been harder than this, okay? But it's extremely rewarding, and it is such, it is such a blessing. We've gone to therapy. <laughs> I, I believe that we're going to continue to go to therapy for the rest of our lives. Uh, we have accountability. We've done some really intense heart work. We went through nine w- weeks of premarital counseling. We were engaged for almost two years before we got married. And God has done some really spectacular things in the way that we relate to one another, but also to other people. And I think it's important to note that when you're in any kind of relationship, it it should make you better in some kind of way. I mean, you you should get something out of that relationship that makes you better. And so my marriage has kind of served as one of those things that hasn't just made me a better wife, but it's made me a better sister, a better mom. You know, ooh, I'm not nobody's mama. I meant to say a better daughter. (laughs) It will make me a better mom later. But it's made me a better daughter, you know. Um, Mitch and Gunner is me and Kel's business that we have, which is primarily our photography company, but it's also a relationship consulting business that we have. And so our sole initiative is just to help people and give them practical tools on how to do relationships well, all kinds. And so if you visit MitchandGunner.com, you can see obviously some of our photography work, but you could just read some of our posts about experiences that we're having. And we're not experts. As we're learning, we're just sharing what we learn. And um, it's just interesting how God shows himself strong in the way that you relate to other people when you invite him in. And so wherever you are, whatever you identify as, wherever you are in kind of like your journey, 
your journey of what your personal sexuality is or your personal view of God or relationships or all of these things, I would just say open yourself up to be wrecked. There's no other way that I can say it. When you learn about yourself, it is painful. Heart work is the hardest work. When you learn how proclivities you have and experiences you've had have been shaped by things that happened to you when you were a kid, have been shaped by the way that your parents related to one another, have been shaped by, you know, what you saw um, as a toddler. I mean, it's hard, you know, to break those habits and to change those ways. But the Bible says that we're to be renewed by the transforming of our minds. And I just want to share that you don't have to conform to the way of the world. Like you don't have to conform to what everybody else is doing. It'll make a little bit of sense. It will. It will. The enemy's so deceptive. He just changes a couple things. You know, he don't change the whole thing. He just changes a couple things. Ask you a couple questions. Did God really say that you can't eat from this tree, Eve? Don't you want to be like God? If you eat this, you'll be like God. The world will already always offer you what you already have. And the enemy will always pose questions to you. You know, just like you did Jesus in the garden. Just asking questions. You know, if you're God, why don't you just, and you're hungry, why don't you just command this stone to become bread? Then you can eat, eh? You've been starving yourself for 40 days. Come on. And Jesus replies, man shall not live on bread alone but every word that comes out of the mouth of God you know so it's important again to really know his word and to take him at his word and just to test stuff man I can't remember if it's in um all in I believe it's an all in I know for sure that it's in the Mark Batterson book there's this whole story about how like there was some counterfeit money that was floating around and it was really hard to track down one because it looked authentic but two they were using smaller bills to counterfeit and not the larger ones so it was just really hard to trace and so these experts were studying the counterfeits but they were making tons of counterfeits they were making all kinds of different counterfeits so it was really hard to pin down exactly like what was what and so somebody just had the bright idea that instead of studying the counterfeit that they should study the authentic they should study what a real five dollar bill looks like what a real ten dollar bill looks like so that they could quickly and readily identify what is a counterfeit so i think in the same way it's important for us to study god to like really really get a full understanding of who god is and what what he means when he says what he says so that when the enemy presents us with the counterfeit when the world presents us with the counterfeit we can know off top no that's not that <laughs> like that's that's not what that is get away from me so anyway i'm gonna end with a poem that episode kind of went in a direction that i wasn't planning for it to go in but that's okay um <laughs> i've learned about myself through my relationships I've been let down by so many people and 
so many ways and I've let myself down and I've just learned that you don't have to allow the things that you've been through to define you you can make those things work for you I truly believe that a, a large part of my ministry is just helping people to learn how to maximize their thorns the Lord will give you thorns sometimes And if you know how to work that thing, if you know how to use that thing to your advantage, you can be very impactful. You can be very, very powerful. And so, yeah, a quick word to the singles. Marriage is is work, as I stated before. But marriage will show you all the areas that you're selfish in will give you a very keen understanding of your shortcomings. (laughs) And it'll show you some of your strengths too. But for the most part, it'll show you what those shortcomings are. Marriage is like, it's like Windex. Like, like it's almost like your entire life, you've been looking through this mirror that's like super dirty. But it kind of like makes you look better than what you really look like. And then when you get married, somebody just sprays Windex on that thing. And then you just see, like, yo, like, I've got a whole bunch of blemishes. Like, I, hold on, I gained weight. Like, what? I thought I was doing good. <laughs> what is this about? Cellulite? Uh-uh. But it, it's cool because it shows you what areas need to be worked on. So there's a blessing in it as well. I pray that you've been, like, really blessed by this. I want to share that. The Coco Hue is having another Coco Cure event. We will have some more fire vendors. We'll have food provided by Houston Sosco. We will have artists and poets, including myself. And I think it's going to be a really, really great time. I'm going to make another punch, too, that I think is going to rock some socks. But stay tuned. Follow us on Instagram at the Coco Hue for all those updates. You can also follow me at Morilla Warfare. That's M, but with a zero and not a O. R I L L A W A R F A R E on Instagram for updates as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'm gonna get in this poem, and then I'm gonna pray. And that's gonna be episode two. I don't have a name for this poem yet either. I just kind of let it do what it do. I'll come up with a name later. I guess the name will be the title of the podcast. So let's get right into it. You know loving me is war, just like loving me is art. You know these waters get choppy and it's easy to get sloppy, so you try to take heart. You know this ain't for a faint heart, that it takes real guns and real armor, you knew this from the start. That we could be in two different rooms and yet two worlds apart. That we could be our loneliest, even while cuddling in the dark. That it takes more than what you thought to make the mark. That two of a kind could still drown if they abandon the ark. Now just cause it's lovely doesn't mean it's not hard. And even though I didn't give them to you, I could still be charged for your scars. That there's no such thing as lucky stars. Just a God who gives and takes away, so you try to stay on guard. I know loving you is a maze. 
that I could take a thousand different ways and remain in the same place that is hard to remember routes when you're just trying to make it out. I know there's only one source for water in the thick of a love drought and sometimes it just costs you an L. And sometimes it feels like hell and sometimes you can barely tell if the anchor is still down or if you're set to sail because sometimes it feels like you're set to fail that wedding bells are an omen for terror behind a veil whatever exists between matrimony and alimony must feel like bell or must feel like gel with no release date depending on who you ask depending on whose britches are big enough for the task depending on what it takes to build a love that lasts but we both know loving one another is new and that even when the answers seem evasive, we still have to choose. We just reconcile the difference, then split it in the nude. Cause we know loving one another is a journey and a battle that we're only meant to lose if we get the enemy confused. Lord, I thank you so much for every single listener. I thank you that even when I feel like I'm rambling, you're here. And you're speaking through me and you're allowing my experience to continue to teach me and give new perspective and revelation. You're allowing my story to reach people. You're allowing my voice to reach people. And that's worth so much. And I just pray that that what I've spoken would be internalized and that you would give us the gift of the Holy Spirit and that you would allow us to to treasure you and to treasure your voice and to treasure the fact that it's not by happenstance or coincidence that we've listened this far, that we're still listening. It's it's because of you. And so, Lord, uh, as long as you've given me this charge, I'll continue to share my heart. And I pray that um, every listener is blessed by you. Every listener has a revelation of you, has an encounter with you. And that they know that they're treasured by you, but that they've also given a charge because they live in your house. Um, They have to abide by your rules and they have to do what it is that you've called them to do. And God, that number one command is to love. So help us to love ourselves, help us to love one another, and help us to not be afraid. Your word says that you haven't given us a spirit of fear but you've given us power, love, and a sound mind. And some translations, it says that you've given us self-control. So help us to control ourselves, to control our tongues, to look at the world through the lens of God and not through our own pain, not through judgment, not through trauma, but in understanding and in peace. Help us to dwell together and to love one another. So thank you so much for everything that you've done. I cover all of these listeners in the blood of the lamb from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. I pray that you would give them peace, that you would give them joy, that you would give them a greater understanding of who you are. Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for iTunes. Thank you for everything that you've done. We love you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank y'all for tuning in. Have a fantabulous, I know that's not a word, but I still want you to have a fantabulous day, evening, or night. And I look forward to sharing with you guys again very soon. Bye.